0: Speaks to his love as a father, which sometimes is a good thing. For David, it's not necessarily a good thing because he, like so many other Old Testament characters before him, uh, does not pass his faith and his character along to his children. It's about a father's love who, even after Absalom has attempted a coup. Absalom has gone to Hebron and declared, I am now the king, my father is not. Even after that, even after his forces and David's forces are fighting, fighting, when he finds out that Absalom is dead, one of the most plaintive verses in all of Scripture. Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son my son so as we look at this father's love we can pay attention to the setting the setting is that all of this happens after David's fall and by David's fall I mean that awfulest of scenes in David's life when he looks out from the roof of his house not being there with the army that he has sent out but instead at home and idle as he looks out and sees Bathsheba, as he finds out that she's married and sends in her husband's hand his own death warrant. This is after David's fall. After David's fall, his life becomes more difficult than ever before. After David's fall, there is a sense that things have changed in his kingdom. One of the things that's changed in his kingdom is that he and Bathsheba lose a child. David knows that while the child is sick, he can fast and he can pray and he does so with such intensity that his courtiers are are worried about him. You're not eating enough. You've got to take care of yourself. And then the child dies and David gets up and he eats. There's the poignant loss of the child. But David has also shown himself to be an indulgent father. He has shown himself to be somebody who lets people get away with things that maybe they shouldn't get away with, his son Amnon. His son Amnon had actually behaved in horrific ways toward his sister and we find this in 2nd Samuel 13 when David heard all of these things he became very angry but he would not punish his son Amnon because he loved him for he was his firstborn Now, Absalom is the full brother of the sister who has been violated. Absalom is the full brother and therefore takes matters into his own hands. Absalom kills his brother to avenge his sister and then Absalom flees. I do want you to notice who's killed. It's the the firstborn. It's the one who would traditionally take over. Absalom has this idea, perhaps as early as this in the story, that maybe he should be king and not the firstborn who would normally inherit the title. Eventually, he's off in exile, and eventually he comes back to Jerusalem, and David won't see him for the longest time, but in the end, David forgives him. We have this wonderful description of Absalom, and this is where I have to confess, I had the greatest object lesson, and I left it at home. Melinda and the kids say, thank God, I left my object lesson at home. Here's the description of Absalom. Now, in all Israel, there was no one to be praised so much for his beauty as Absalom. From the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. When he cut the hair of his head, for at the end of every year, he used to cut it because it got heavy. He weighed the hair of his head 200 shekels by the king's weight. This description of Absalom, and I must admit that my object lesson, I've got this long-haired wig. (laughs) I was going to put it on at this time to show you what it's like when, when you have a lot of hair. Absalom has a lot of hair. We have this description of him, and it ends up playing into his downfall. But before his downfall, he commits high treason. Here, we find that after he has fled and after he has come back, and David won't talk to him for a while, but eventually David decides that he'll talk to him after all. And after four years, Absalom said to the king, "'Please let me go to Hebron and pay the vow that I've made to the Lord. "'For your servant made a vow while I lived at Geshur and Aram. "'If the Lord will indeed bring me back to Jerusalem, "'then I will worship the Lord.'" in Hebron David says to Absalom go in peace and so he got up and he went to Hebron but Absalom sent secret messengers throughout all the tribes of Israel saying as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpet then shout Absalom has become king at Hebron well it doesn't take long after this happens for the message to get to to David in Jerusalem. Absalom has declared himself king. Your son has carried out a coup. Treason has taken place. And so in rapid succession, David flees the capital city of Jerusalem, but not without leaving a spy. When he leaves a spy to serve in Absalom's administration, it ends up, helping him to regain the kingdom. But David's on the run. David is running from the forces of Absalom who have carried out this insurrection. And then there's the inevitable confrontation. When the forces of David and the forces of Israel come together, you might have been puzzled as we were reading Because the the forces of Israel and the forces of David, David is king of Israel. But now he's fighting against his own people who have declared that his son is king. So here's the inevitable confrontation. The king ordered Joab and Abishai and Etai saying, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And that is the last thing that the commanders of David's army want to do. And all the people heard when the king gave orders to all the commanders concerning Absalom. So the army went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. The forest of Ephraim, I don't know if you've ever been to a jungle. I've only been like really to one real jungle. It was in Mexico. And it wasn't at all what I thought it was going to be. I think of jungles as being tall and kind of dark. This jungle was 12, 15 feet high. It wasn't particularly impressive. But if you tried to walk seven or eight feet into it, you would have needed a chainsaw or a sickle or, or, or something to get in there because it was thick. The battle was fought in the forest at Ephraim, this this forest that is described as legendarily jungle-like. The Scripture even says that the forest ate more men than the army did. The men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David. And the slaughter there was great on that day. 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of the country and the forest claimed more victims than the sword. And Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. I love this description. Absalom was riding on his mule. And his mule is going through this thick forest And Absalom on the mule went under the thick branches of a great oak, and his head, it's because he has too much hair, his head caught fast in the oak, and the mule keeps going. And here we see poor Absalom hanging, suspended between heaven and earth. And suddenly the army of Israel comes and finds the traitor. And they find the traitor. And they put an end to him. When David gets the news, he's not worried that his kingship has come back. When David gets the news, he is not happy that his administration is back. He simply says, how is Absalom? The Cushite says, I hope all of your enemies meet the same fate that he did. And David cries, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. There are a few lessons we can get from this young man. Number one, appearances can deceive. He seems to be perfect from head to toe, literally. He's got all of this beautiful hair. He's charismatic. He positions himself at the gate of the city, and anybody who comes in and has business with David has to pass him first. And he's so charming. He gets on everybody's good side. Appearances can deceive. Remember when Samuel went to anoint David as king? He thought David's older brother would certainly be king because he was so handsome. The narrator tells us that God does not look only on the outward appearances as human beings do, but the Lord looks on the heart. Appearances can deceive When David and Goliath have their confrontation, you would think that David has no chance against the giant. But appearances deceive. When Jesus was going into Jerusalem in the triumphal entry, when everyone was saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus was entering into Jerusalem, there were all kinds of expectations that he was going to take the throne. Appearances can deceive. And then there's the crucifixion. When Jesus spreads out his arms, and his hands and his feet are nailed to the cross. It looks like nothing worse could happen. That the end has come and that the teaching of Jesus has come to nothing. But appearances can deceive. Absalom, in all of his handsomeness, Absalom with his flowing hair, Absalom with all of his drive, Has a beautiful appearance, but a treacherous heart. The Bible says that Satan comes sometimes described as, or sometimes disguised as an angel of light, because appearances can deceive. The second thing that, that this story of Absalom teaches us is that a person's gifts can contribute to that person's downfall. The the gift of having abundant hair, it's not one of my spiritual gifts, ends up being a part of the way that Absalom is caught by David and his army. This abundant head of hair. I think about the pastor's a number of them have, have fallen in the past year. I think about ministries like Ravi Zacharias who spent many years teaching, teaching truth, spent many years appearing to be a humble servant of God. It takes a certain set of gifts to go from leading a study in a room to having a multi-million dollar ministry. It takes a certain set of gifts which can be used for good, but which can also be used for ill. It takes a certain confidence that can become cockiness. It takes a certain get out there and, and let's do it whatever may come. God's given you your gifts, and your gifts can be for the glory of God, or your gifts can lead you down a path toward destruction. Absalom reminds us it's not always a good thing to have a head full of hair, our gifts can contribute to our downfall. And Absalom also serves as a reminder that running away from our problems, avoiding our problems, can bring disaster. You see, David knew. David knew what Absalom had done to his brother. David knew what his brother had done to his sister. David knew and did nothing. Reminds me of the priest Eli who knew that his sons were putting their hands into the offering plate essentially and Eli did nothing. It reminds me of the children of Samuel who did not live like Samuel did and Samuel heard of it and Samuel did nothing. The inevitable confrontation reminds us that avoiding problems can bring disaster. If only David had seen. If only David had paid attention. You're avoiding problems, my avoiding problems, we, we do a lot. Some of us don't like conflict. Some of us don't like to, to face problems. And so we pretend like we don't have them. And in fact, the mature thing to do is, is to face them. Head on. We've got this sin that has crept into our hearts and and try as we might, we'll never have peace until we stop avoiding the problem of needing to repent and embrace God's new life. Avoiding the problems of what God intends for us and how far we are from that. Avoiding problems can bring disaster. The story of Absalom, intrigue, espionage, war. The story of Absalom is also the story of a father who loves his son and who has this difficulty being both king and father who faces this very real desire for his son to be in his life and with him, but he sees that desire nearly bring an end to his own kingdom. We have adventure in life. We all have those times when there's action, those times when we wish things would slow down a bit. But it's says God accompanies us through these things that we learn these lessons of Absalom, that we learn it's not what is on the outside that matters but what's in the heart. We learn that a person's gifts, my gifts, that which I can do well can also destroy me if I use it wrongly and we learn the hard lesson that avoiding problems simply brings those problems to a head in new and sometimes dangerous ways. What lessons does Absalom teach you? What are you avoiding that you need to confront? How are you nice and pure on the outside, but rotting and decaying on the inside. Learn from David and his son and reach out for the love the Heavenly Father has for you, which even after all that you and I have done, that love continues. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.